Welcome to the College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. Here are your co-hosts, Doug Maurice and Shahan Jeharaja. And we're back on the College Football Survivor Show. Doug Maurice, Shahan Jeharaja. Shahan, stuff happening. The last couple weeks we covered the future of the SEC, known 16 teams in 2024. Future of the Big Ten, known 16 teams in 2024. And this week we're going to cover the future of two conferences that are unknown at the moment. And it felt like to me, and I think a lot of people in the college football world, some of the things that were said in and around and about the Pac-12 and the ACC in recent days, Shahad, makes me think, I don't know if they're dead, but makes me wonder about their futures in somewhat diametrically opposed ways. So I like it. Sometimes I think like, hey, what should we talk about? And then I just check in on Shahan's Twitter account. And I'm like, okay, he's got it. He's got his pulse, uh, his finger on the pulse of what's going on. I will say, Shahan, you had a tweet recently where you just tweet, you retweeted something and went, whoa, your tweet was, whoa. And I was like, uh-oh, this is major breaking news. And it was some high school coach in Texas took the linebacker job at Rice. And I was like, man, roots are showing. Let's be clear. It wasn't a high school coach. It is the coach of the best high school program in the state of Texas taking a job at Rice University of all places. Uh, this, this is like the high school that Zach Evans went to might be a name that people know. I'm trying to think who else went there. Uh, Demetrius Davis is somebody, you know, there, there's a lot of like top 50 five star type recruits who go to that high school. Them and Duncanville met in three straight state title games at the very top level. So like this is a huge deal in the state of Texas. And and for some reason he took a job at Rice of all places. Like that is that is weird. That is extremely weird. My theory is that he doesn't have to move. The the uh, Rice is only about like 25 minutes away from uh, North Shore's campus. So maybe he just is like, hey, man, you want to be a division one position coach, like a full time on field coach. And also you can live in the same house if you want to. And also you have nothing left to accomplish at the high school level. You've won three state championships, I think it is. And, uh, you know, but yeah, it, it was wild. I did not expect uh, it's not a shock that he went to uh, to college football, but it was definitely a shock that he's joining the staff at Rice University. I would just say that to me, your woe, I just saw the woe, and it was to me a woe level of Lincoln Riley took the Cowboys job. Like that was the woe. I was like, you're a national college football writer. This well, is a woe. It's an all caps woe. And then it was like, it's a high school coach taking a Rice position job. And I was like, there's just you never take the you can take the man out of Texas, but you'll never take the Texas out of the man. Also, you haven't taken the man out of Texas. I still do live there. But uh, I will say Lincoln Riley going to USC. Pretty shocking. Rice landing the top <laughs> high school coach in Texas. I don't know. I think that's even more shocking. That's a, that is a, <laughs> that is a wild, wild swing. Get this guy in the pod <laughs> at this point. People are like, let's we hear could, from the man himself. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's hear from John Kay, a noted North Shore coach. No, but like you mentioned, uh, we are, uh, we are bi-coastal at this point, which actually I think fits in with this episode, uh, pretty well. I, I guess bi-coastal is, you're in Eastern time. You're at the, what, you're at the Combine. So yes. you're in Indianapolis, not really the coast, I guess you'd say, no. but I am in California. Uh, 
I wish I could say that I'm doing some exciting recon on, you know, on Ion TV or something like that. But no, no, just visiting the in-laws. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, uh, this is our first test, though, of the uh, of the new Big Ten. We're going to see how much oh, body yeah. clocks are really going to screw over this podcast. Oh, no. If, I'm, if, if either of us falls, I'm going to fall asleep in the middle of it, and then we'll have to call. But the Big Ten doesn't have a commissioner, so they don't have to re, renege on the UCLA-USC uh, <laughs> thing. I was actually – I was in Chicago this weekend, and then I was in Milwaukee. I went to the Bucks suns game on Sunday in Milwaukee. Were you delivering uh, – what's his name? The uh, the, the, the Browns out – Jimmy Haslam, oh, no, were you delivering him to Milwaukee? For, for Jimmy and D. Haslam, yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't escape the Haslams wherever I go. But it was it was a Christmas present for my daughter who's a big NBA fan, and we got to enjoy Kevin Durant and Giannis sitting on the bench and street clothes together because Kevin Durant was not yet back oh, and Giannis yeah. hurt his quad. But it was a good game. Uh, Drew Holiday is really good. So it was fine. So we had a good time. So now we're here to talk about – College football, though, I do feel like, Shahan, sometimes I, I, I feel like sometimes we should sprinkle in some other sports because you have some strong takes on other sports sometimes. Like, you do not hold back. And I'm like, man, should we just do like a five-minute NBA segment? We're not going to do that right now because it's possible that the ACC and the Pac-12 all falling apart. And the reason I think we want to start with the ACC is because this feels, I think, familiar to people who follow college sports. And what happened was, was it the AD or the president of Florida State who basically made a presentation to the board of trustees? Which one was it? Was it the AD? Yeah, I think it was the athletic director. And he basically said they commissioned a study that said Florida State is worth 15% of the ACC's TV deal, but they only get 7% of it. And that they basically find the current model for Florida State unsustainable. And what are you going to do? And then you read some stories about it. I was reading some good stories in the in the Tallahassee paper and just some other places Clemson basically kind of thinks the same thing. And man, it just feels like Texas, Oklahoma to me. And as soon as you start even walking down the path of unequal revenue sharing in a conference, you may as well just start breaking off pieces of the conference. And this to me sounded like a Florida State athletic director who A, wants to know how come we're bringing in more than we're getting and B is saying we can't go on like this. And my clock on Florida State and joining the Clem and Florida State and Clemson joining the ACC, Shahan, is started. It's it's like sometimes this stuff stares us in the face, then you get pulled back from the edge. Nah, 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 nah. And then when you just get down to brass tacks, you have an athletic director at a famous, prominent, high-profile, at times highly successful university saying, what are we doing? We're getting left behind. And I think there is no way for the ACC to catch up to the SEC. So the only outcome can be the most valuable programs and universities from an athletic standpoint in the ACC jump and ship. Has not the clock, maybe it's never stopped, John. Maybe we never should have stopped the Clemson and Florida State to the ACC clock. But man, when you got an AD making a public presentation like this, it's on, man. So, so two two places I want to go. First, I I think that we should talk for a second about the sort of opposite natures of the Pac-12 and ACC because they are facing the two opposite problems right now. With the Pac-12, you know, it's been widely reported on and we'll talk about it more. Uh, 
they don't have a television contract after 2024 at all. Right. Like they don't have one right now. They're in the process of negotiating it. Obviously they will have a contract of some type, but ESPN doesn't want to dish out the money. Fox has backed off in a big way. CBS and NBC uh, don't seem like they want to be involved in the bidding at all. Uh, Amazon prime seems like they might not have the money that the PAC 12 hoped they would have. And, so they are they are right now trying to put together any television contract that could be competitive. The ACC has exactly the opposite problem. The ACC is signed into a television contract through 2036 with ESPN. And the, uh, at the Florida State board meeting that you referred to earlier, uh, and Dennis Dodd pulled this stuff from the public record uh, of that presentation, if you look at the ACC's number, the average value of what the ACC is paying out uh, f- uh, or what ESPN is paying for, specifically the television component of that deal, is about half, half. of the new Big 12 contract. And when you – yeah, half. Yeah, I think it was $17 million versus $32 million of average value. Now, average value, of course, I mean, over the course of a contract, they're usually built to c- keep increasing. So – the number today is higher than the average value, most likely, and it will continue to go up. But the point is, this is a very bad place to start whenever you're heading into a 14-year remaining contract. Uh, you know, that's a brutal place to be. And so all that to say, uh, the other part of this, too, is that when you look at uh, when you look at that contract, it has a grant of rights set up through 2036. And it would I think that they were talking uh, at this meeting and they were saying it would take at minimum probably one hundred twenty million dollars to get out of this contract, to break the contract. If you are a school like Clemson or Florida State or Miami or whoever else who wanted to get out of this ACC grant of rights. And from their perspective, they're thinking if we are down $30 million every single year in total payout versus the SEC and versus the Big Ten, and we have a pathway to get there, well, that means it would only take about four years for us to make up that difference. Here's the question that I have, though, because you mentioned Texas and Oklahoma. It is integral to the modern Big 12 that Texas and Oklahoma made themselves above it, that they created an unequal share. They made it possible to sell their third tier rights. Obviously, talk to anybody in the state of Texas and the words Longhorn Network will uh, will send a cold chill down their spine. But here's my question. Texas and Oklahoma, like you said, when you start kind of trying to separate yourself and other yourself, you were telling yourself you're too good for this conference. And for Texas and Oklahoma, that meant that they had a pathway to the SEC. Obviously, we didn't get to that point with the Pac-12, but USC and UCLA, especially USC, really, not, not as much UCLA. Obviously, that was a factor as well, that USC felt like they were above the rest of the Pac-12 at that point. My question is, will Florida State and Clemson and Miami have anywhere to go? Will the SEC be interested in adding them? Yeah. Because I think that Texas and Oklahoma are two of the eight blue blood brands. I think that everybody, you know, there, some people uh, argue about which, which other schools should be included, but there's no question about it. Texas and Oklahoma are two of the eight blue blood brands. There's no question that USC is one of the eight blue blood brands. Clemson, Florida States, Miami, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, these are not schools that can just say we want to be somewhere and avoid being left behind. And I think that 
you know, you look at these schools. These are schools that have won lots of national titles. Florida State won one back in 2013, very recently in college football memory. They were in the 2014 playoff. Uh, Clemson is one of those programs that we talked about off the, the, the top of this podcast when we started it that had made 20 of the 28 spots in the college football playoff through seven years. And they won two national championships, one in 2016, one in 2018. So it's not that they can't compete. But unfortunately, competitiveness is a very small part of being left behind in college football. And so my question, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, is it a lock that even if they can get out of the contract, which again, it's $120 million, that's a lot of freaking money. Even if they could get out of the contract, is there any guarantee that they have any place to go? Yeah. So here's why I think the I think the thought process, I think we need to open our minds as we get toward what's the thing like when a star dies and we all get sucked in. It's a black hole. It's a black college sports a black hole right now. The, the supernova so stuff's dying. So when we think about expansion and we think about the rejiggering of college sports, you think about conferences luring new members, right? The Big Ten did what it had to do to try to get Nebraska. Originally, they had to get Penn State. Right now, they, they want to come in, but you also you got to make sure it's a good deal for everybody. They have to. The Big Ten had to go get USC and UCLA. The SEC has to get Texas and Oklahoma. I think as we are at the final splintering, and I was looking back at some of our podcasts from a year ago at this time, and we we did a podcast about like our. Two, two super conferences, right? We did multiple podcasts about a top tier, two super conferences, what it would look like. To me, you are going to have, and I think this is where what's happening with the Pac-12 and the ACC is applicable, but in opposite ways, as you said, which is teams who are going to want to get out at all costs because, again, the numbers you're citing, I'm reading from a, ten, a Tallahassee Democrat story by Jim Henry who is saying – that the the Florida State AD was saying the Big Ten schools with their new TV deal are going to get about $80 million a year. Each Big Ten school, SEC schools, their new TV deal will get about $72 million a year. He said Florida State will get about $42 million a year, right? We're talking about these giant gaps. So you are going to have schools who aren't going to be saying, we want a full piece of your conference pie. We're going to say, we'll take a smaller piece of your conference pie because it's still bigger what we have now. And I think that will create opportunities where some conferences, I think, have been loath to have different revenue models because they want everybody on equal ground. But if these are good, popular programs with, with some tradition, some TV attractiveness, some fan bases, some population stuff behind them, and they say, listen, man, what do I take a 75% cut for 20 years? I don't like, what do we got to do? Like, let us in. Let us in. Just let us in. We'll figure it out. But like, let us in. We don't need the 100%. We'll work up to 100% 30 years from now or 20 years from now. And I do think you have to, the, both these conferences, the SEC and the Big Ten, are going to start thinking of more than just, does it bring up the overall TV revenue? It's going to be reach, power, comprehensive. Are we truly representative of this entire area? We're almost there. We stretch from Texas to the Atlantic Ocean. Let's bring in these couple other schools that have any value at all, and then we'll be done. But there are still outliers, I think, for both the Big Ten and the SEC, of people worth grabbing. Are they worth grabbing if you've got to give them a 100% cut? Maybe not, but I don't think those schools are going to be asking for a 100% cut. 
So, like, where else would they go? Is the SEC better? Now, what does better mean? More attractive as a TV entity? Yeah. Worth more money as a TV entity? Yeah. Just like better football games? More entertaining for your fans? Yeah, there's all part of it. More fun? More broadly comprehensive for population bases? All those things? I think Florida State and Clemson are worth it. So, like, is Greenville, South Carolina, you dying for that? Clemson's good at sports, man. I don't know. Clemson's good at sports. Let's get them in. Florida State, they have a great tradition. Let's get them in. I, I Like, I think, I think we are reaching the point for both sides. You don't want to let perfect be the enemy of good. So are they perfect fits? Maybe like Texas and Oklahoma? No, but they're still good. And they're the last good ones. And Wake Forest isn't coming. No offense to Wakey, Wakey, Eggs and Bakey, or our favorite Wake Forest podcast. But I just think it's going to happen. And I just, the minute you have, this is a dance. The Florida State AD went to a public board of trustees meeting and said, "We're, we're worth twice as much as we get. What can you do about that? What's the outcome? So here, here's something that I'll ask them. So you mentioned maybe you'll open the door to unequal revenue sharing. We don't have that right now uh, in major college football. We don't have, uh, you know, sort of explicit. You, you, the Big 12 did that through tier three rights, right? They opened the door for Oklahoma to, to sell their own tier three rights. Obviously, Texas to sign on with the Longhorn Network. But we don't have explicitly different conference payouts uh, anywhere in the Power Five at this point. Here's the question I'd ask, because I think that if it is Clemson and Florida State, for example, I think that those are, you know, and, and Miami, and then you're, I don't know, some Florida school will, for some reason, get a life raft, maybe North Carolina, who knows. So if you open the door to having unequal revenue sharing, and if the SEC, which has to approve all these things, approves these teams to come in with unequal revenue sharing, well, are you saying that long term, we're going to be in a position where Florida State, a school that's won multiple national titles, is going to be receiving 75% of a, of a share, and Missouri earns 100%, and South Carolina earns 100%. Because to me, if you are one of those schools who is not one of the, the nine that we mentioned as potentially playoff and national championship caliber in the SEC, what you are agreeing to when you agree to bring a team in with unequal revenue sharing is you are writing your own death note because you are going to later on be negotiated into having to take a smaller share or be, risk being kicked out of the conference. That's ultimately, and and the SEC obviously has a couple of teams that this would impact. The Big Ten would have a lot. There are only a handful of teams that have, you know, sort of real competitive value in the in the Big Ten, right? I mean, we talked about four in this new Big, Big Ten who would maybe consistently be able to compete for college football playoffs. You know, Iowa is a really good team and a really big program and a really big fan base who probably, if we got to the point of doing unequal revenue sharing, might have to take a haircut. Uh, Indiana, obviously, we talked about as being a bad program, but a big fan base, a draw. Minnesota, uh, even Nebraska at this point, how, uh, Nebraska could be in a position where to stay in the Big Ten, they have to take a haircut. If you are one of these teams that is not guaranteed beyond the shadow of a doubt, a hundred percent, I would absolutely too much money run talk. from the idea. Too much money talk. Too much money talk. Too much money talk. The, the alternative is keeping Florida State out. The alternative is keeping Clemson out. You don't need them. There's no value to you as Missouri Who? or South Carolina to allow those schools in. 
as lousy as lousy member of good conference, right? But 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 if Alabama and LSU and Texas and Florida and Georgia say, no, let's like get these guys in, shut up, Missouri. No offense to Missouri. But why would they care that much? Why would they care about the ability? Why would Georgia care whether Clemson is a member of the SEC? We're heading towards it. Do you know what? Okay, so let's do like like we can't. I don't want to have like one giant comprehensive conversation for fifty minutes. We have to break this down. What's going to happen? What's Florida State's future? The AD gets up at a board of trustees meeting, says we're getting we're worth twice as much as we get. This is unsustainable. All right, what's going to happen? Give me the short answer of what you think Florida State's future is. I think they're going to make a lot of noise. I think that they're going to try to get the SEC to give them an invite. I think that they will potentially propose uh, some concessions that they could make to get into the SEC. And I don't think there will be interest. I think that the SEC will feel like, why would we do this? What do we gain by having Florida State added? I, I think that the value is marginal at best. And so I think that from their perspective, uh, I mean, again, Florida is going to be in that room. Florida would have the ability to vote down Florida State and basically eliminate them as a competitor because they don't need Florida State to be good. It provides no value to the SEC uh, for Florida State to be good. What happens? What's the what's the end game then for what's Florida State in 10 years? Just an unhappy member of the and ACC that's completely marginalized? Yes, I think that that's absolutely where we're headed. I, I don't think that's where we're headed. I think we are headed toward the last couple schools with sports value get sucked up. And I think they find a way to do it. And I just think – I don't think we're going to think along the same lines anymore of what is the absolute monetary value of this. And I think there's going to be a little more holistic thinking of like, listen, man, there's like three more schools in this whole area of the country that matter. Let's get them. And then we're done. Then we own – then we're it. We're, we are the only thing that matters in the bottom half of the country. Let me ask this though. If the SEC decides not to add them – then what? what? What's the consequence? There's no consequence. I guess there's no consequence unless like now you still have a team with the fan base and tradition and hope and possibility that still could matter in your area of the country that's not part of your conference. But you make them matter. You make them a competitor by adding them. You eliminate them as a competitor by not adding them. So we think like Florida State withers and dies, like Florida State is now like UCF in 10 years because the ACC can't compete with the SEC. Do you think the SEC is stuck at 16 forever? That's it. You think the SEC is not expanding at all anymore? I I don't think that they're guaranteed to never expand forever, but I think that – I think that the SEC feels no need to expand at this point. I think that they feel like they have everything that they need and anything they could possibly want already in their conference. I don't think that they have a special desire in any way to go past 16 because I think that they feel like with 16, we're at least still a conference at this point. We're not sort of a whole league, which I think is maybe something that's you know, I, I don't know if that's something that long term, but but again, it's I, I don't think the SEC wants that to happen. I don't think they want to be a 24 team league. I don't think that the Big Ten wants to be a 20, 24 team league. I think that they're happy at 16 and there is very little actual value to add, to changing that. Now, again, for the Big Ten, if Notre Dame decides that they want to come, then the Big Ten will make room. But at this point, 
Who cares if you're in Oregon or Washington? Who cares if you're in Arizona? Who cares? Like, it makes no difference to you, especially when you've already got schools that dominate that region of the country. I don't, I don't think that all of a sudden they're going to be like, oh man, we didn't get Florida State and now Florida State, which makes, you know, $12 million a year in TV revenue suddenly stood up and beat Georgia. I just don't think that that's at any risk. I just don't, I just don't think that's, so you don't think we're headed towards two super conferences. That's not what you think is going to happen. That dominate, that dominate from coast to coast, one in the bottom of the country, one in the top. I, I don't think that that's, I, I don't think that we're, we're heading towards super conferences in the, in the perspective of th- them feeling like they need to be truly national conferences. I don't think they care about that. Well, they're not a truly national conference. This is the SEC adding like two more Southern teams that matter, maybe three or four. No, no, I know, but, but that's my point. I, I don't think they need to change anything to be a super conference. I think, I think if the Big Ten, the Big Ten could add 15 more teams, and I don't think that the, that the SEC would feel any need to expand from the 16 that they're at right now, because they would still have more teams than any other conference who could win the national championship and compete at the highest level. Half the league stinks still, right? Half the league, half the SEC, just like the Big Ten, is not really a national competitor. They're not. Like we went maybe like the news when we did this two weeks ago. Well, but we said it's nine of sixteen, nine. like we said, it's nine of sixteen. Nine teams out of sixteen are nationally competitive. Wouldn't you rather have eleven of eighteen? Not really. Why? What's the difference? More good. More good. What? Like you're like the guy who, who eats the cake, and then it's like I already had three pieces of cake. Why would I eat a fourth piece of cake? The cake is delicious, and I'm the guy who wants the fourth piece of cake. I think that you are, let's take a step back. I think that really what's happening is you can't imagine that Florida State would just be forgotten or that Clemson or Miami would just not matter. And I think it's very easy for that to happen. I think that, I think that if they were to disappear, like, I think that the SEC would not care. They would be no skin off the SEC's back if these programs just did not matter. And, and this is how realignment works. Programs that were awesome. Uh, I mean, you know, we can, we can look at a, you know, a, a program like SMU who in the eighties, you know, they're running the, the Pony Express and all this sort of stuff. And then obviously they hit a bad spot at the exact wrong time. And now they're football irrelevant, completely football irrelevant. They're gone. They, they claimed two national titles and had top five finishes in the eighties and they're, it's over. They're never going to do that again. This absolutely happens to programs. And and again, unless there is a compelling reason, which obviously like brand power, money, fan base are compelling reasons. But I don't think that Florida State is clearly additive to what the SEC has. I don't think that Clemson's additive. I, I don't. Miami doesn't have consistent fan support. We're not, not, not talking about Miami. We're talking about Clemson and Florida State. You threw Miami in. The, I think they're not additive if you compare them to Alabama and Georgia. I think they're additive if you think like, man, like this from fan base, power, tradition, TV attractiveness, these are programs that would be in the top half of our league. I think there's a way, and again, I think that we are reaching the point where you don't have to be Texas and USC to be of interest. And I think part of it is because it's the last dying of the light of this kind of thing happening. I think maybe because those schools will be willing to take less for some period of time to get in now. And then they increase their value by coming like to you from a place not of power. So let's, let's finish this ACC. This, this is a Florida state conversation that was started by the AD. 
let me ask this real quick. So outside of USC's drinking buddy in LA, who is the last non-superpower team that changed conferences in this modern era? Like you're having to go back over a decade. Like you're having to go back to 2012 when we had sort of this perceived brick. Rutgers. Yeah. And, and I think that that has been clearly a mistake. I don't think that teams are going to try to do that anymore because Rutgers has been so dilutive to their value. But they make commercials about how there's the Big Ten in New York City. They they use the Statue of Liberty in commercials. Also, the the Big Ten has a lot of bad ideas about how how uh, television markets work at this point. But that's a whole other conversation. But for they another have day. the Statue of Liberty. Don't you know that the Statue of Liberty is in Piscataway, New Jersey, Shahan? How could you have a Statue of Liberty commercial if you didn't have Rutgers in the Big Ten? Huh? Hypothetically. If the Big Ten were, you know, obviously, again, we're the two super conferences where it's the uh, where it's the SEC and the Big Ten. Let's say that the Big Ten was not one of the super conferences and Nebraska's there and Nebraska's got all this fan support and all this history. It's one of the historic programs in college football. Do you think that another conference, it's absolutely guaranteed that they're like, oh, my gosh, we have to make sure that that Nebraska's there. Like, I, I just don't think that that's the case at this point. Okay, let's 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 finish the ACC. Let's finish the ACC. Okay, and then okay. we'll take a break okay. and we'll discuss this Pac-12 thing. Which so it's it's an it's an ACC SEC conversation and it's a Pac-12 Big Ten conversation. So did did you think this was a big deal that the Florida State AD made this presentation and seemed to make the point that he believes? On the current path, the quote that I'm reading from this Tallahassee Democrat story about Michael Alford, the Florida State AD, is we have to do something. Did you believe that was a big deal or not when you heard it, not just in words, but in a signal of near future actions? I think that it was a big deal for me because I thought that I thought that we had a little more time before this was going to come up because the ACC's grant of rights is so stringent and because the the bylaws are so strong and because the television contract is so long. I thought that maybe we'd be heading until about 2030 before we truly in earnest started to have this conversation. But what this tells me is that there are going to be multiple programs that are on the outside of the big two. Because we have two super conferences, just to be clear. We're already in a two super conference world. Uh, there, there are multiple programs outside of that th- those two super conferences who are not just content, like, you know, again, Florida State will be able to make the playoff in the ACC. They'll be able to win playoff games. But we're already at the point, because of the revenue gap between these leagues, that uh, that programs on the outside are going to, while still members locked into long-term contracts, are already now going to be lobbying to be let into those top two. And we don't really know at this point what that means. So I, I think that I think it is a fundamental shift that with 14 years left or, or 13 years left on a contract, that there are already people begging to be let, let out. And, and the idea is not that it's a big deal that it's going to change the ACC. It's a big deal that like they're trying to get out and they are signaling to the SEC. Yeah. We want now. in. We'll do whatever it takes yeah. to get in. We don't need the whole piece of the pie. We want in and we're willing. We saw Texas and Oklahoma each pay $50 million a year to get out a year earlier, the big 12. We'll pay to get out. We'll go to court. 
will try to break this grant of rights issue that is, hey, if you're in the ACC and you leave, the ACC gets all your TV money for 400 years or whatever, these ridiculous TV contracts. Like It's like, hey, we are the – it's one of these things. What if the ACC just doesn't exist anymore? Oh, you can't leave the ACC. Well, we are the ACC. But if you live, it's just a word at some point. If, it, if the ACC doesn't have Florida State and Clemson, is it the ACC? It's like the whole thing I think we talked about before. You have a ship. Well, You we replace can. every single board on the ship, and then you use the old boards to build a new <laughs> ship. Which one's the ship, right? Now we're talking about ships. The 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 oh my gosh Democles is a Democles ship I think it's a I got kicked out of Greek literature. Yes, I think it's a big deal, and I I think that uh, the thing is they're probably it's probably written out in the grant of rights. As somebody who again covered the Big Twelve for several years, unfortunately, I I had to get very in the weeds with this sort of thing, and basically with the Big Twelve at least, as long as there were like two or three members remaining in the conference, it still functionally existed as the Big 12. And so even if two schools or even four schools were to get out, there is no way in hell that the remaining 10 or 12 schools are going to let them out of any obligation. They're going to fight them tooth and nail for it. And then they'll fight and then they'll sue and whatever. But again, the the Texas and Oklahoma are getting out early. They're paying $50 million each to get out one year early. So you would have to pony up. But the idea is, as you said, if we're losing 30 or $40 million a year by staying in then and we're, and we're locked in for a decade, that's more catastrophic than suing and paying to get out now. So I thought this was a huge signal that Florida State and then maybe Clemson are ready to do this thing. So now they have to do two things. One is they have to make themselves attractive enough to persuade the SEC to take them, and then they have to get out. But I think we are headed there. You think we are not headed there? You think we are the first part of it? You think they want to get out? You you very much doubt their yes. ability to be attractive enough to the SEC to get in? I think that there are a handful of programs in all of college football that can say, we want in and then somebody will respond. And I don't think that Florida State and Clemson are among those programs. Okay. But we think it's on, and it's going to be oh, yeah. a little it's nuts. absolutely on. Okay. Yeah. I would not want to be Jim Phillips right now. <laughs> no. He's the ACC commissioner. But it, but is he the ACC yes. commissioner, or is he just a man with an old boat? We're going to go to the other corner of this, and we're going to talk about the Pac-12 lack of a TV deal right now and what that might mean for the Pac-12 and Big Ten next in the College Football Survivor Show. Previously on the College Football Survivor Show. From an administrative perspective, Ohio State is the gold standard. Like, they are the gold standard in college football. They, they are so organized top to bottom. They, uh, I think, have such a vision for their program. We saw during the transition from Urban Meyer, they, they were able to keep a lot of their recruiting staff that managed to keep kind of this national recruiting going. I, I think Ohio State just does it better than anybody else in college football. And, you know, if Ohio State's administration was at any program in the South, I think that we could see similar results, right? So... I think that Ohio State, they just do things that USC can't match up with in the next couple of years. Now, would it shock me if USC has teams that are as good as Ohio State in the coming years? No. Catch the latest episode of the College Football Survivor Show wherever you listen to podcasts.
All right, Doug and Shahan back. Sometimes we get a little hot, man. Oh, it's good when we get hot. It's just podding. It's just podding. Also, it's the the ship of Theseus. I remembered. That's yeah. what it is. I that's love the, that one. That's the yeah. Anyway. What's the right answer? Did it? Does it say in the Wikipedia <laughs> entry what the right answer is? Which one's the boat? The old boat or the new boat? <laughs> no, that's the whole point. Is oh. that it's a it's a function it's oh. a function of semantics. Oh, boo! I like when there's an answer. <laughs> so I like 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 trivia. Like you go to trivia at a bar and there's an answer. Like what if the whole thing – what if you went to a bar for trivia night and every trivia question was like a, a philosophy question and it was like, which ship is the real <laughs> ship? The old one or the new one? It would be like, Buzz, Shahan, uh, the old ship. No, there's no answer. <laughs> Next question. That would be terrible trivia. I would claim victory every single question. I don't know what you're talking about. This sounds great. <laughs> well, you know, you might be right. We'll give you half a point. So let's talk about the Pac-12, which – the thing I'm worried about is that right when everyone bought their iPhone like eight years ago, whatever, they put that YouTube album on your iPhone that nobody wanted. And it's still in my phone list. Like it's still in my music list when I have the music that I bought. And it's like I'm listening to like, uh, you know, a Shin song and then like the the 111th best YouTube song then comes up. And I'm like, why is this on my phone? And it's still on my phone. From like eight years ago when everybody got a free YouTube album nobody wanted, is that the new Pac-12 strategy that it's like, oh, what's on my phone? I can't get this off my phone. What is it? It's like, oh, it's an Arizona State, Colorado soccer game. Oh, I can't get it off my phone. No offense to those programs. But you shouldn't be forced to have them on your phone. How bad – because I like it. Again, you're out out there, Shahan. You're out in the scene. You tweeted something that got retweeted by somebody else that got retweeted, quote tweeted by somebody else. And your original thing was like, is the Pac-12 dead? And then people were like, they'll just make you have Pac-12 content on your iPhone. And I was like, well, that doesn't sound right. Is this danger zone for the Pac-12 that they don't have a media rights deal yet? So the the tweet that you're referring to was there was a report from Brett McMurphy over at the Action Network, a longtime college football reporter, who, that said that apparently some channel that I've never heard of, and for me to never hear of a channel like you are, you are pushing it, uh, called Ion, that's apparently yeah. part of the Scripps family of media, was bidding on the Pac-12. And also then at the same time, the New York Post put out a story that Apple TV Plus is looking like maybe the the new leading bidder on the streaming side. And I was just like... If we're at the phase of Ion and Apple TV Plus for Pac-12 rights, like what are what are we doing here, man? Like what what, what is what is the end game of this? Because the whole Pac-12 issue came about. I mean, look, this this is not George Klyovkov's fault. I want to be clear about that. The Pac-12 commissioner, uh, it's much more Larry Scott's fault, the previous Pac-12 commissioner. But the whole thing is that nobody knows how to watch their games. And it killed the branding value of the Pac-12. And now you want to go to Ion? You, you want to go to Ion TV? You want, you want me to try and figure out? I, somebody pulled up and it's like all reruns of Blue Bloods is what they play on Ion TV. Mm. So no wonder they're looking for inventory for their station. But it's just like the primary thing, if you're the Pac-12 that you need, is an easy way for people to watch your games like even more than money at this point i think that you need to have easy exposure and access for fans last year 
one of the most impressive drives that Caleb Williams put together on route to winning the Heisman was a game-winning drive against Oregon State that like 20,000 people could watch. I didn't it see it. It was like... I, thankfully, I have access to a company Fubo account, mm. and so they have Pac-12 Network. I I would not have had any other way to watch it otherwise. But like, how are you not featuring Oregon State? Won ten games last year, and like half their games were on Pac-12 Network, and nobody could watch them. It sucked. And so, by the way, did you know that Oregon State threw for sixty yards uh, and beat Oregon anyway? I, I heard that on a podcast. I heard that on a podcast. <laughs> I, this, I did I too. This no, but but ultimately. Ultimately, what happened was the Pac-12 was first to market. They had the ability to lock up a contract with ESPN and Fox, and they wanted to get all fancy with it. And they wanted to be like, well, we're going to go to streaming. We're going to beat everybody there, and we're going to get these great contracts. And guess what? We're in the fourth window. The ESPN needs us. And then the Big 12 was like, or we could re-up for probably slightly less money than what you guys were talking at, drive down the market, and now leave the Pac-12 in a position where everybody's mad at everybody and nobody wants their products. And the problem was Taco Bell was in the fourth window when the Pac-12 was like, aha. And it was like, <laughs> Taco Bell has that thing where they bang the bell. That's, that's, that's a callback, man. That's a, that's a, that's a throwback. So, so here's the issue again, though, right? So you have a situation where the Big Ten has a TV deal where they're going to be on Fox at noon. They're going to be on CBS at 3.30. They're going to be NBC in prime time. They have all this, like, and then they have uh, – Peacock stuff, they have Big Ten Network stuff, they have FS1 stuff, like they're everywhere. And then the SEC is going to be only on ESPN, but all over ESPN. Like ESPN is going to be nothing but SEC football, and SEC football is going to be nothing but ESPN. So those are two opposite ways to go, both potentially quite effective. And the big the Big 12 got its thing and the Pac-12 has nothing right now. And so, but the issue then becomes, right, from an opposite thing. I don't know that, you know, the Oregon and Washington ADs are not out rattling the bars at board of trustees meetings right now. But if you're Oregon and Washington and thinking, okay, streaming what, how much or Fox CBS, NBC, Big Ten Network, FS1. How can you not want to get to the Big Ten yesterday at all costs? And it is Florida State wants to go from the standpoint of we're worth more than we're getting. Man, what's up? This is unsustainable. And I think Oregon and Washington are from the standpoint of we don't know what ION is. Please take us at all costs. We'll take 11%. And it's a little bit of, again, the idea of, and, and we don't have to repeat that argument of like, well, what's your value? Well, would it be? Well, if you got a discounted value, whatever. But it is the the bottom line here, and we'll we want to dig in on this Pac-12 Big Ten thing, is it is very similar, right? It is good per not perhaps not game changing, but good athletic programs, universities, football programs with good population bases and good fan bases that are attractive in their own way. They're not USC. But that's okay, and I think the Big Ten has been interested at times, should be interested in that. And if you're Oregon and Washington right now, and maybe Cal and Stanford, I don't know. But you have to be looking around. Like, Don't you, Shahan? Do you think they're panicking? These are good universities with football programs that matter. And what they're looking at as opposed to what the Big Ten has, Would you? do you think 
the bottom line for Oregon and Washington specifically, should they be in get to the Big Ten at all costs mode right now as these Pac-12 media media rights negotiations continue? So one thing that I'll mention, right, we talked about Florida State and Clemson. These are two programs that are, like you said, rattling the door on the edge of of board meetings to try to get out because they have 13 years left on their contract. Oregon and Washington have one year left on their contract, and they already have a school from their conference going to the Big Ten. If the Big Ten was available to Oregon and Washington, in my opinion, they'd already be there. I, I just frankly think that. I don't think that it is open to them. You don't think the Big Ten is interested right now? I don't think so. So the complicating factor is the Big Ten has no commissioner. And so while they have no commissioner, it's hard for this stuff to happen. And by the way, the commissioner who pushed the idea of expanding West is specifically gone. Somebody who – Whoever you want to, you know, obviously there's a lot of opinions on Kevin Warren at this point. All I care about is that he makes the Chicago Bears good again. But, you know, he is the one who had more of the NFL mindset, who had more of the expansion mindset. And so it'll be really interesting to see what happens. And and I think we'll get some indication uh, of what the Big Ten maybe plans to do long term on who they hire as their commissioner. Because if they hire an academic, which I think is definitely possible, I think that they're just going to be like, we're good where we are. I, I don't think that, again, I, I don't think the Big Ten needs Oregon and Washington. And I don't, I think that it would add some value, but I, I think that, you know, we saw the fights that happened internally with the Big Ten, even when the USC and UCLA thing happened. I, I am just not confident whatsoever that there is just some pot of gold at the end of the rainbow if you're Washington and Oregon. And by the way, the fact that Washington and Oregon want to be in the Big Ten so bad and so publicly, I think is a big part of the reason why they are not, why the Pac-12 is not necessarily the best investment for anybody. And also, I think part of why the Big 12 is able to jump them. So I do think, again, and it goes back to that same conversation, I think it would matter. And I do think There is – how do we say this? So there's the unequal revenue model that ripped the Big 12 apart, and that was unequal because the best programs wanted more. And when the best programs wanted more, it created friction, and it led to the end of the Big 12 as we know it and the eventual departures of Texas A&M. I think when you have good, solid programs that want in that are willingly saying we would take less to come in, I think that's a different mode of having unequal revenue distribution. And to your point, you've made the point of that's just Minnesota looking, staring its future in its face and saying, well, someday we're going to be at 75 percent. I also think there's a point as much as you're together on this, we could get to a point where as we've everyone's discussed, conferences don't exist. You just cut the top 30 teams off and whatever. And so I I do think, I think the power players are going to have the power in the end and that the model that exists now, maybe it won't look anything like the model that is there eventually. But I know again, just it happens to be the program that I've been around for a long time. Like Ohio state is not particularly interested in an unequal distribution of revenue at this point. But if it makes new programs slightly more attractive, it's like, well, do you want to pay 100% to get Washington and Oregon? Do you want Oregon and Washington at a discount? They only need 75%. I sometimes, if I see a nice plaid shirt, maybe I don't want to spend the full $19.99 on that nice plaid shirt. That's a little steep for me. 
But if I can get that same plaid shirt, maybe it's got purple and green in it, right? And it's $13.99 because I waited. I'm the king of the clearance rack, right? If I can get it on the clearance rack, it's the same shirt. Doug, do you need the purple and green plaid shirt? No, do I don't need it. I didn't want it at $19.99. But if it's $13.99, I do want it. Maybe at $13.99, the Big Ten takes Oregon and Washington, and the SEC takes Florida State and Clemson. And it's like, well, why would you do that? And it's like, well, sometimes once a shirt's only $13.99, you can't have too many. So you just do it. Okay, but let me ask this. If you go to the store and there's a great green and purple romper and you don't want to wear a romper, but then it's 75% off. Do you buy something that you didn't even want in the first place just because it's such a good deal? I can't believe. We have Oregon fans that listen to this. I cannot believe you just called (laughs) Oregon a romper. How could you? Well, it's it's because we can't talk about Iowa's offense this week. <laughs> but uh, no, but I I just think that we are in a position. Actually, let me take a step back. Let me ask you. Ohio State, probably more than any other team in any other conference, is the school, the individual school that could decide that they want unequal revenue sharing, probably more than anybody, because they are, I think, in a lot of ways one of the most powerful brands in college football, especially relative to their conference. Why don't they? Because Gene Smith, their AD, doesn't want it because Gene Smith was the AD at Iowa State, lived through unequal revenue distribution in the Big 12, saw it, tear it apart, and said, I'll never be part of that again. And that is... What about before Gene Smith, though? Do you you think that this is something that... Because this is something that they've done for a while, that they've... He's been the AD for so long. He's been the... He's the only AD of the modern era. He's the only AD of the modern era. Like, it's just not a... People weren't talking about that, like, in 2001. So I don't know what the next AD at Ohio State would say. And it feels like the lesson of Texas is that it will lead to bad things. And if you kind of like what you have, if you kind of like what you have, maybe you just have to be willing to get less than your ultimate value, but it's still a lot. And then, but then it's also one of those things. I know you're saying that Minnesota and Indiana and Rutgers and Anybody else, Purdue, might be like, but we don't want Oregon. And then that's the moment where, to me, where Ohio State can say, listen, man, you guys are already making more than you ever deserve to make. We don't want to take any money away from you. But you know what we do want? We want Oregon. So let's all vote in Oregon and Washington, and you can keep your full share that you don't really deserve but we decided to make a conference a long time ago, a hundred years ago, and we were near each other. So let's not rattle the bars too much. Keep your money, but vote with us. That's how I think this could work. But he, my ultimate question is, why is Gene Smith sitting in his office like, God, I'm just waiting for the day that we can finally add Oregon. That's going to be so great for me. It's going to matter so much to Ohio State University that Oregon is a member of the Big Ten. Why would he care? Because it's just because it's comprehensive and it's powerful and it's everybody that matters. They already are. 
No, I know, but you're just so we're just gonna we just never like we probably should not have this conversation again because we're just not gonna change each each other's minds on this. You think everybody <laughs> of value is is taken up, and this is it. Like when you say why would they, I hear it's never changing, and I don't think this is it. I don't think we are at the end game, and I don't think you have to be the perfect ideal USC Texas. Penn State, Nebraska level of addition to make this work. I think we are just morphing toward this. And just because like it kind of just makes sense, everybody that matters split into two groups, let's go. I just think that's what we're going to get. And and if you don't think that, and you think that these two conferences are going to stop at 16 and maybe Notre Dame or whatever, then that's what you think. And like you and I are just going to disagree on that. But like, Again, like if you say, well, why why do they want Oregon? It's like, well, I don't know, because Oregon's pretty stinking cool and like it'd be kind of nice. And you're the big bad guy in the north. And why wouldn't you take them? So, like, I, I guess I don't have a better reason than that. But that's a good enough reason for me. I, I think the here's what I'd kind of settle our two views down to. So I, I think that your perspective is these programs matter. And so they should have a place. Like, we shouldn't just leave Florida State behind. We shouldn't just leave Oregon behind. Whereas I think my perspective is, I think that the Big Ten and SEC understand that they get to make that choice. These schools aren't independently just important because they have a birthright to be. They're, these schools are important because it's been decided so by television networks over history, by you know ratings and stuff like that. And that can be taken away. These schools, outside of the hand-select few, which is why they're called Blue Bloods, by the way, uh, are programs that are a product of circumstance. They are a, pro- a product of success, and they have been, pre- uh, you know, they have been given a lot and given benefits to be able to compete at the highest level. But there is nothing intrinsic to those programs that means that they have to continue to be good into the future. I think you're SMU scarred. I think there's some Texas scars showing on you from your SMU example. <laughs> they were the Pony Express, and then they had one little scandal, and everybody was like, "We're done with you." <laughs> so I, I, I understand, and it's not a bad it's not a bad example. It's a Texas example, but it's not a bad example. So no, I mean I understand that's me thing, but I think that it's also the idea that you know th- there are schools that are members of these conferences who, from the perspective of television and market value also have no clear reason to be there right like i mean so so we're just gonna like say well vanderbilt is going to be there because they just happen to be there like it's not merit it's not based on merit it's it's just truly not it's based on some arbitrary lines and some arbitrary conferences that were built close to a hundred years ago and if you were not grandfathered in then it ultimately does not help you. And and I don't think that if you are on the outside that you are guaranteed a spot at the table. I think, again, there are a handful of programs. Texas and Oklahoma are guaranteed a spot at the table. USC is guaranteed a spot at the table. Ohio State and Michigan are absolutely guaranteed a spot at the table no matter what. Uh, you know, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, I think that those schools at this point are guaranteed a spot at the table. Man, I, I don't think that anybody else is just born with the the birthright to be a competitive football program. And I think that if forces change in uh, in college football, they could absolutely find something. And by the way, with the Florida State and with an Oregon, we're talking about programs that historically weren't even relevant, right? These are schools that are 80s, 90s, 2000s uh, revelations. So no, I, I don't think that they are just 
predestined to, to continue to be relevant football programs. I think they can absolutely be left behind. Okay. When we come back, we'll make predictions that you can write down, put it in an envelope, put them in your sock drawer, and then in three years, open them up and see who was right. Dr. Shahan will do it next on the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. All right, Shahan. So let's start with, and, and I just, let's focus on Oregon and Washington. Three years. Okay. So what year is it now? It's 2023. So 2023. So then 24, 2026 football season. What conference are Oregon and Washington in? I think in 2026, Oregon and Washington are still members of the Pac-12. A very tenuous Pac-12, a very conflicted Pac-12, but a Pac-12 nonetheless. Okay. I think they'll be in the Big Ten. 2026, where will Clemson and Florida State be? Clemson, I think, will be a member of the ACC for sure. Florida State is a little more interesting because I think that they – the funny thing about Florida State right now is that they are – really kind of like not doing well financially. I think that this is an imminent issue for them. Clemson can continue to compete for conference championships and national championships, I think, in their current station. I think that Florida State has some real issues. So I I think that my official prediction will be that they are still in the ACC as well. I don't see a pathway out for them. I could also see them as a program that would really try to push for independence and see if there's any, because if you say that you're 15% of value and that you're only, you know, you're only getting 7% for it, I would not be surprised if they try to figure out an independent platform in order just to boost their revenue. I, I think that Clemson doesn't feel amazing about where they're at, but I think that they feel like they have a pathway to success. I, I think that Florida State could be a school. Uh, I'm not predicting it. I, I don't think it'll happen, but I don't think that they have a pathway to the SEC. And I think that things will get contentious to, to a point in the uh, ACC that maybe it makes sense for them to no longer be a part of it. So if I had to pick, I think that both of them though, will be members of the ACC in 2026. Well, if, 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 those schools remain in their current conferences. And, and I guess the, the Clemson th- thing I, I think is not quite as clear. I'll predict that Florida State's in the SEC. How much – I don't want to say below. I, I don't even know what the right, right word is. But how much power both off the field in terms of TV and money and then on the field in terms of playoff spots and just level of talent – how much more power do you think the SEC and then the Big Ten right behind them will have in 2026 compared to the Pac-12, the Big 12, and the ACC if you are envisioning those schools staying? Do you think it will be a wide gap or do you think it will be, oh, all right, it's a big two and then the next three? But, you know, I mean, you know, the big two, maybe they get three or four playoff teams and then the other ones, they get two playoff teams every year. But it's not a gigantic gap or do you think there's a gulf? Yeah, I, I think that because one thing that we need to point out is that when we talk about these conferences being dominant, it's about money. It's about power. It's not necessarily strictly about football success. Now, especially the SEC, obviously, they have mountains and, you know, two decades at this point of, of football success. I, I don't think that those other three conferences are just going to go away into the night, right? Like, I think that Clemson will still be nationally competitive. I think that Florida State still has the ability to be nationally competitive. I think that Oregon and Washington will be nationally competitive. I think, uh, you know, the Big 12 will kind of have its, like, revolving door of, of teams that can compete at the highest level. But I think that the SEC and Big 10 will, 
you know, if we're looking at the next 10 years, I think that they win nine of the t- next 10 national championships. May- and it might be 10 out of 10. I-, I think that when we're talking about competing for a national championship, there's going to be two conferences. No- nobody else is going to be able to compete with that. When we talk about making a Final Four, when we talk about winning playoff games, I think the other three conferences will still have a pretty good living. And that's one reason why I think that Clemson might not be in the biggest hurry of all time to move out, especially if this Garrett Riley hire hits uh, at offensive coordinator. I think they'll still be very competitive. But I I do think that when you talk about actually competing, the thing that I keep saying, there are three programs in college football that I think do things different than everybody else, and maybe that'll change to, to slightly more whenever we get to 2025 and 2026. But Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia are are just recruiting at a level right now that nobody else can match. And so I don't think that any of the three other conferences will be able to produce teams that consistently compete with that top level of team, assuming that uh, maybe outside of Clemson getting into that range. Okay. Come back in 2026 and see who was right. I can write it. A sock drawer, I think, is such a good place to store stuff. So in your sock drawer, because I have a separate sock drawer. I have my socks. And then I have my underwear and then I have my t-shirts in three separate drawers. You can't smush them all in there together. There's not enough space, Mm. right? You have a separate, I actually have two sock drawers. I have my white sock drawer and then I have my colored sock drawer where I have like my Disney socks and my, Shroot beet farm socks and like those kind of things. My daughter buys me socks. You have that many right? white socks. Yeah, they're kind of remnants. I'm like, I like they're remnants of a tube sock era gone by, kind of. Yeah, yeah. that's over. We we don't do that anymore. Is it over? <laughs> For real? It's over. Maybe I need to get rid of them. I mostly wear them to work out. I guess. Okay, <laughs> but you have to wear white. Don't you still wear white socks to work out, or should I be wearing like gray or black socks to work out? Like like the shortcut. I, I wear black socks. Like to work athletic out, socks. Sure. Yeah, really? I, I do. I. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you see a 50-year-old man with long tube socks at the gym, you're nice to him though, right? You feel bad for a bit. You're nice to him, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, of course. Well, I'm nice to everybody all the time, except for apparently this conversation. But <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, to be fair, to be fair, like – <laughs> to be fair, yeah. If, if you're if you're you know close to fifty and you're, you're working out in tube socks, nobody bats an eye. That's just kind of expected. Okay, that, that I feel better. Okay, thank you. So yeah, so put it in your sock. <laughs> you're multiple. If you're if you're a two sock drawer guy like me, put right down the one. Maybe my prediction and put it in one sock drawer. Put Shahan's prediction in another sock drawer, and we'll see where we are in 2026. So I think we got to do this defense draft. So we did this offensively a couple weeks ago. The best offensive players of the playoff era. We built two teams. I think we're ready to do the defense later this week. I am at a mediocre hotel at the NFL Combine. It's affected our, I think, uh, recording a little bit. I'm a lagging. I'm lagging a little bit in the recording. It's it's my fault for picking this hotel. But um, I'm at the NFL Combine all week. But it's going to be like yeah, hard C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. You know, the quarterbacks aren't talking until late in the week. I think we'll do like Combine wrap-up stuff maybe next week. Once I'm home and we really have a sense of which college playoff type dudes really popped at the combine. What do we think about their NFL prospects? I do want us to touch on that. I just don't think we're going to do it right now in the midst of it while I'm here. So I do think we'll do this defense draft later this week, Shahan, because we're looking forward to it because we like drafting against each other. Yeah, definitely. And one thing I'm actually very curious to to talk about next week is, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of guys these days who are not actually 
doing anything at the combine that it's i guess against their agents wishes for them to to work out or do anything else like they show up and do interviews but that's kind of it i i feel like uh yeah, I'm curious, you know, with with so many guys, I think Bryce Young isn't throwing at the combine. I think that Jalen Carter isn't working out at all at the car at the combine. I, I'll be interested to see how that kind of impacts the general mood of the place. And if you feel like, you know, is, is the combine maybe in trouble in that kind of way? Yeah, I, I think I think the world is passing the combine by a little bit. I do think a lot of guys, you know, CJ Stroud, Will Leveth, Anthony Richardson, they've all said they're going to throw this week. I do think some guys just feel more comfortable on your home track right? With your guys back in your facility that you've been working out in your whole college life, you can control the situation a little bit more. Um, I, I do. The combine was but like a nice little thing. But isn't that part of the combine that, that you're thrown out there? Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's possible, but I don't, it's one of those things that guys aren't penalized for it, right? That I do think there's not a history of just like, you know, Jamar Chase and Micah Parsons didn't play the COVID year and it didn't hurt them. So it's like as long as as long as what the choices you make, as long as your choices aren't negatively affecting your draft stock, guys are going to continue to make these choices. And I don't think we have a history of NFL teams saying like, oh, no, the guy didn't work out at the combine. He's afraid to do it on, on not his own home turf. What are we going to do? I don't think they react that way. So then but they do react to like, oh, you're. Long jump was an eighth of an inch longer than this other guy. That might matter. So I, I just I, I do think maybe it's like so many things. There, th- the combine started for good reason, grew, and then maybe is becoming more spectacle than actual worthwhile productive time. And then when it's just a spectacle, how long does it last? So I don't I don't know. I don't think we're all the way there yet, but I think we're kind of far down the path of that. So we'll see. But you come to Indy, eat some chain restaurants, that's fine. Apparently everybody gets drunk. I don't do that. It's like a whole, I don't like, just the whole thing of like, hey, what did you do? I got I got drunk with coaches and, and then I got great information. I can't, that's, I, I know that's how it's been done from the beginning. I'm just, I'm just not, I just can't. I'm just not that guy. I'm just a guy with the microphone at this point, Shahan. I'm not getting drunk. If you were here We'd just be getting iced teas and onion rings, right? I mean, we would even we'd be in bed by ten. Absolutely, that's that's why I'm on a, a, pol- a podcast with some old guy who wears tube socks because I am. I that is me spiritually. I just dress better. <laughs> that that's the nicest thing you've ever said because the last part of that is <laughs> undoubtedly true. But that spiritually, we have a lot in common. It's just the tube socks is where you draw the line. Makes me feel good. Okay, we'll do our defense draft later this week. We'll come back next week and talk about the combine. I'm going to be at the combine this week. Shahan's going to be, you know, doing his thing at CBSSports.com. But for now, we appreciate you guys making this show part of your week. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss either of our two free episodes every week. For Shahan Jeharaja, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line.